welcome to the Notorious Metal Podcast series brought to you by Metal Dissection, where we dissect metal. I'm Owen. I'm Kiro. And this is episode number one of this series, where we'll be looking at crime, scandal and intrigue in the world of heavy metal. That's right, we'll be looking at some of the more obscure metal-related crime stories, as well as delving into the more well-known ones to try and gain a deeper insight into these cases. So for the first episode, we thought we'd take a look at one of the lesser-known heavy metal crime cases, and that's that of Finnish heavy metal band Shock Tilt and the grisly demise of one of their band members. I think we just touch on the name first, before before we even get started on this. <laughs> Shock Tilt. Shock Tilt, yeah. This is one of the classic terrible metal band names yeah, there's some bad ones out there yeah but this is this is definitely going somewhere man this sounds like something from a video game it's like double tap l or to do a shock tilt you know like yeah. from fucking Star Fox or you know wing commander or something oh, like yeah, that the rumble pack kicks in exactly yeah <laughs> maybe it's something to do with like a finnish translation you know maybe it sort of translates from a word to mean to knock over or to raise to the ground or something like that but uh you know, it just doesn't really come across. Maybe they're thinking like, you know, the Lean and Tower of Pisa or something. Maybe yeah. a shock tilt hit it. Something <laughs> must have moved that and it must have been a shock tilt. It was definitely a or shock it, tilt. It wasn't the giant guy with his hand leaning on it anyway. <laughs> Superman. Superman, yeah. <laughs> well, he fixed it actually now to think about it. Did he fix it? He fixed it, yeah. Well, well in the movie, not in real life. Like, it's well, still tilted. Well, it doesn't exist, so no, that wasn't going to be in real life. But one of the early movies or one of the new ones? That's one of the albums. I, I I can't even remember half of those movies, but I'm pretty sure it's in there. So this story has nothing to do with Pisa or Italy. The story begins in a small university town called Vasa on the west coast of Finland and the eastern shore of the Gulf of Bothnia, which separates Sweden and Finland. This gulf is also the location of Finland's only UNESCO World Heritage Site, known as the Kvarkan Archipelago. The information centre for this is actually located in Vasa itself. The city is regarded as a cultural centre for this area known as Swedish Finland, a name given the bilingual regions around the Finnish west coast long inhabited by Swedes. Being a cultural centre, it's probably not surprising that as well as being the birthplace of Shock Tilt, Fasa also spawned the only other notable Finnish metal band of the time, Wild Force, who formed in 1983 and had a more AOR sound in the vein of Def Leppard or Dokken. So, today Finland has plenty of well-known metal bands yep the most amount of metal bands per capita in any country oh yeah really it's a fact well how big's the population <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why it's a, it's a fact <laughs> don't break down the fact on it. but it's no they, they do have an awful lot of bands like you've got huge bands there like obviously nightwish yeah um, stradivarius would stradivarius. be I, they both have number one albums in finland children of bodom Children of Bodom, obviously very popular, made a big hit in the States, just like uh, Nightwish did. A few other, Sonata Arctica, um, Apocalyptica as well. Like, Apocalyptica, remember that yeah. used to be just a Metallica tribute yeah, but They're on gone cellos. since the early 90s and they started out, if I remember correctly, as a Metallica tribute. I remember that album and I just, I just said, that's just a, it was just a gimmick. It it's was just, pure novelty at the but time. But then I anyway. found out they're a, they're a band now. They have drums, they've got guest vocalists doing vocals on it. It's gone a little bit Van Canto. They weren't from Finland, were they? No, 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 just, you know, on the gimmicky side of metal bands. Yeah, but they do they do have an awful lot of bands that um are classically trained. That has the Sibelius Academy there. Oh, So I remember okay. John Sibelius, he's, he's Finnish. I didn't know he was. So I just, right, okay. There was an academy, a music academy. Sure. A lot of them went there. So there is a huge, you know, caliber of musicianship within Absolutely. a lot of these bands. 
yeah. this stuff is like everything symphonic. There's all technical guitar players. Yeah, generally, you know, high quality musicianship going on in these bands. Or female soprano singers. Female soprano singers. She actually singers, went, yeah. she, I know for a fact that she actually did go to that. You mean Taria? Taria, Taria the original yeah. Nightwish vocalist, yeah. yeah. The first one that comes to mind when you think of soprano fronted metal bands yeah maybe not for everyone out there <laughs> <But> <laughs> maybe not no but for but us the they were like was, the first yeah. one that we would have heard of yeah, yeah. so there's a documentary there you can find it on youtube it's from around 2008 and it's called uh, finland the promised land of heavy metal oh okay cool so if so we're talking about finnish metal at the moment this this guy kind of covers it fairly well the director was actually in what he says is the very first finnish metal band okay and the name of the band is sarcophagus sarcophagus he lives in the UK. He went on from playing in that band to just making movies and documentaries and music videos. I think he did a Madonna video, but we'll stick to the, the documentary. It's actually pretty good. It starts off with just the early side of things. No mention of shock tilt in this now. Right. What year is it from? This is made in 2008. Okay. It's kind of, in terms of popularity of uh, metal in Finland, it would have been two years after the Lordy win at Eurovision. Right. So okay. it's a couple of years after that. He goes around interviewing uh, bands at uh, certain conventions that they have. He's going around different places. Like they have like loads of bars. Metal karaoke is a bit of mm. a thing there. Every time he's walking around Finland, there's people in. It could have been just done for the documentary, but maybe, people, not. maybe it's not people just walking around and black gear, metal gear, long hair everywhere. Mm. He goes to see the metal priest. Like a metal a, priest? Yeah, a metal priest that does a metal mass <laughs> in, in a church carved out of a rock. What? Yeah. <laughs> I so the don't guy, even like, know what to say to He that. meets the guy and he just looks like a rocker guy, but he just has the collar on him. Okay. okay. But when he gets up and does the, the mass, he gets in the full garb. It's not like just, he's not just one of the ex-members of Cradle of Field. No. Okay. No, he's, he's a real guy <laughs> and he's a real priest. He's a real priest. Yeah. What is he, like a vicar or like a minister? I think they're... Um, the sinister minister. They're Lutheran anyway. Lutheran? It doesn't matter. It's a mass. It's metal. There's a band that plays hymns, a metal band that plays hymns for the crowd. Cool. Loads oh. of normal people turn up and everything just to see this. Right. But anyway, that's in the documentary. We'll have to check it out. Is that on YouTube? Or? You can get it on YouTube, but it goes into like the Tusca Festival and yeah. the, the popularity. There's lots of interviews from bands. You're on Ville Valos in it, and um, it ends with him having an actual conversation with the president about heavy metal. That just sums up how big heavy metal is. Or was. So we don't quite well, know. It's 12 years ago, so... It is. It looked like even the band saying, I don't think it will ever get as high as... That's it at this particular point in time. But look, maybe we should go and check it out and see what it's still like. That was probably the heyday of it with the bands that we mentioned, uh, probably at their peak at the time. But in the 80s, there really weren't that many heavy metal bands going around in Finland. Oh, but there, there, there were like a few. There's one called Iron Cross. There's another band called Ozzy. Um, <laughs> that's O S S. Why? That must have been riding off the back of people like thinking Think it was it was <laughs> Aussie and going to see them, and it's, it might be an Aussie tribute, and then they just play their own stuff. Could have been. Could've it could have been. been an Aussie tribute. Could have been a tribute. Uh, Taro, which is Marco Heitela's band before he joined Nightwish. Oh, okay. He joined them around 2000 or something like that, but they've definitely got a bit of a boost since he joined them. But there's also a band called Stone, and that is Rupa Latvala's band. He was the original second guitarist of original, Children of Bowen. Yeah, they had just as many uh, releases, i say, as Taro did. Okay. And just he went on to do Children of Bodom, and I think that band didn't really continue on just like Taro did. Yeah, I mean, in the kind of not-so-heavy end of things where probably the biggest 
Finnish band that were around at the time, Hanoi Rocks, yeah. who were a very successful band from about the late 70s to the mid 80s and would have influenced the kind of sleazy sleazy rock, rocky metal bands of, of the, the late 80s and early 90s, like, like Guns N' Roses. Roses, Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Motley Crue, who killed the band. Who killed the band, <laughs> yes. I believe they finished because of the car crash with... Razzle, Razzie or Razzle, I can't remember. Yeah, so if anyone has seen the Motley Crue movie that came out. Dirt. The Dirt, yeah, of course. You probably would have seen this scene. For a movie that has a, a huge tongue-in-cheek side of it, that scene in the movie is very serious. It's too real. It's very real, yeah. Shit got real. Shit got real. <laughs> it's too real. Yeah. But it is real. Yeah. It's no joke. <laughs> no, no. And that's probably something we could discuss at another time. At another time. We're already talking about another more gruesome story. Much more gruesome. So it was November 1984 when brothers Rolf and Per Haglum decided to start a heavy metal band with Rolf on bass and Per on guitar and vocals. They soon recruited drummer Hass Munton and Shock Tilt was born. They played as a three-piece for a short period before adding a second guitarist under the name of Hanu Rahala. Once again, I hope I'm pronouncing these yeah, right. I'm yeah. going to get them as close as I can. Should have been brushing up. I don't think it would have helped. <laughs> And soon they were off to Sweden to spend three months recording their debut mini LP entitled Night Fight. Night Fight. Yeah. Fight Night would have been better. Fight Night. Fight Night. Not Fright Night, though. It's not Fright Night. Fight no. Night doesn't roll off the tongue. No, Fight Night just sounds like a bad 80s straight-to-video Van Damme film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that old night. They fought. Van Damme. Fight Night. <laughs> On this LP, they use these, like, you know, stage names. Okay. You know, pseudonyms, rock star pseudonyms. Not exactly the most unusual thing no. in rock and metal. No, no, no. But they, let me, you, you have to do it. Well, they obviously thought they had to do it. Yeah. Just listen to these names. Jess Border. Okay. Jess Border. Jess Border. Because maybe they were on the border of Finland and Sweden. I think it might have been sort of a door swings both ways. You know, he's on the border. Oh, you know, oh so he, maybe it was he, a little like a, a signal. He, yeah, he could be this way and he could be that way. That's okay, it's a double-edged sword yeah. in many ways. Okay. It, could, it okay. could have been something like that. I'm just trying to make his name sound a little bit less shit. <laughs> right. That's all. You're trying to say he was more going for the drag queen name, yeah. Edge. Yeah. Another guy was called Lee Green. It's like some guy down the road. No, that definitely just sounds like some guy who plays, you know, right back for Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's like the most boring name I've ever heard. But anyway, it gets way better. A complete 180 now. The next guy is Rallo Nitty. What? What's that? I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is, man. Wasn't there a cartoon, King Rallo? That was King Rallo. Oh. Or maybe yeah. there was with a name, but it was pronounced. Maybe in Finland it was Rallo. It could have been, yeah. Now, that wasn't the very the most metal cartoon in the world, but uh, Nitty... Nitty gritty. He had a nitty head. He had a nitty head. <laughs> <laughs> it no, doesn't even look like it's spelled right. It has one T in it. I, I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's not English. No. The best. The best is yet to come. Oh. Frontman Per Haglum was, wait for it, Nick Tilt. What is your name? Nick Shock would have been much better. Nick Shock would have been much better. Because like, it has a CK and a CK and it just it just sounds, It works. What yeah. the hell were they thinking? But like tilt is just not a cool word, man. Oh, tilt is not a cool word. I just really, really wish I knew what a shock tilt actually was. Yeah, but like think about it. He's like, I'm Nick Tilt, you know? I'm Nick Tilt. I got one leg shorter than the other. <laughs> I lean slightly to the left. <laughs> I, I'm Nick Tilt, baby. <laughs> it's actually just looking Hanoi Rocks here. Their first album is called Bangkok Shocks Saigon Shakes Hanoi Rocks. There you go. 
It's, he must have seen shocks there. They definitely just took it from that. Now that I think about it, I won't, I'm not going to go scouring through their lyrics right now. But maybe, I didn't put I didn't is. put the Hanoi Rocks and the Shock tilt together. But now that you say it, it's definitely be. a connection. Could be a connection there. Hmm. But now I see where he's going with the name, the front man having the name of the band in it. You know, yeah, like, no, because everybody did it. Yeah, you know, Axl Rose, yeah. famous one. John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi. Wayne Static, more modern one. Wayne Static and Edsel Dope. Edsel Dope, who's on tour with Static X now doing the Static X shit show. Oh, behind the horrible mask yeah, thing? Yeah. I mean, the idea is horrible. Oh, the idea is an absolute disgrace. Yeah. It's just, what the fuck? Is it looks like they it? resurrected a dead man and put him on stage. Yeah. And that's... And that's supposed to be cool? That's not it, cool. That's... Is it supposed to be respectful? <laughs> It sounds it sounds like it should be cool and metal and, and necro and shit, but it's not. It's just really disrespectful. It's unique. We'll give them that. Mm, Christ. Oh, to be unique. So the singer's called Nick, T- Nick Tilt. He's, go- he's going with Nick Tilt then. He oh, he went he, with he just, Nick he Tilt. Going he with he that went now. full on Nick Tilt. But if that wasn't bad enough, <laughs> the release actually opens up with a track named after the band itself. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. right. You know, we've all we've all done it. <laughs> you know, but it also features a track called "Mr. Tilt." They <laughs> 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 were just like, put some more tilt stuff in in there, man. I've got a great name. Why is it that I song. just imagined like? Mr. Potato Head or something like that. When I thought of that, it was like Mr. Tilt. But one of his legs is missing and he's just kind of like tilted. Mr. Tilt, that's exactly it. He's Mr. Mr. Tilt. Mr. Tilt, that's my name. The name again is Mr. Tilt. The group rose to become one of the most prominent metal acts in Finland in the following months. By the summer of 86, however, they felt that in order to pursue a professional career as a touring band, they would need to relocate to neighbouring Sweden in the hopes of getting discovered. It's not surprising that they made this decision, given early that year saw a Swedish band release a single that hit number one in 25 countries. That band, of course, being Europe, and the single, of course, The Final Countdown. Big, big hit. Still a big, big song. There's nobody in the world that doesn't know that song. Everybody knows that song. Well, if they don't know the song, they'll know the intro. Everybody know that intro. Even if they're like, I don't know what's... I don't know. Even if you just said to anyone, you stopped them in the street and just screamed in their face, it's the final <laughs> countdown. They, they wouldn't look at you like like you were crazy. They would just go... And it'd just be jamming with some random person on the street. It, this is how popular that yeah, song gonna, is. Gonna, Everybody gonna, knows I'm going to hold you to that now. You have I, to do that one day now. We're going out. We're doing it tonight. No, we're not. It, <laughs> yes, we are. It's research. No. <laughs> But do you remember that video on YouTube from years and years ago where if you typed in, you know, worst band, you know, ever. Well, I don't know if people still do that on YouTube, but if you did it, you'd get a band playing at some awful like uh, children's birthday party or something. And they're playing the final countdown. Do you remember this? I, rem- I remember the uh, worst band ever and typing in worst band. Ever. Oh, yeah. And yeah, if you showed it to me, I'd probably... Uh, I would jog your memory. Jogging, yeah. yeah. I actually looked it up. It, it says it was uploaded 13 years ago, but that's after YouTube culled everything. So it's definitely a re-upload because it was there in like 2003. So it's, it's, o- it's, YouTube. it's obviously terrible then. Oh, it's awful, yeah. Well, we've got so much awful videos now, but you're just saying that was that was, uh, was one of the one. first. It was like, you know, you got two results when you yeah. typed it into YouTube <laughs> back then, man. There was nothing on YouTube. You when know, was this? Like 2005 or something? This, this was the early days. Yeah. yeah, it was like one of the first things you'd put into YouTube, you know, worst band in the world. Still there. Check it out. 
The band established themselves in Stockholm and for a brief period were joined by guitarist Lars Johansson before he left to join the now legendary doom band Candlemas, where he remains to this day. Maybe they should have just stuck with him. <laughs> Things probably could have worked out better. They could have went and played with Candlemas or something. Well, that's an interesting link that they have. But still, probably wasn't a difficult decision for Lars Johansson to make. Candlemas probably went on and did like Nightfall or something like that around this time. Definitely a better decision to take. Well, especially considering he could have been the one that, well, we'll find out. <laughs> it said the Shock Tilt gained themselves some support slots to international touring bands during this time too. But the only one on record is opening for Motorhead in late 87 at the Freischu set in Stockholm. During this time, it was decided that they would need a manager to help them get in front of the right people. And in the Gula Tidningen uh, <laughs> newspaper... A local newspaper. They found an ad from a man named Anders Carlson who was offering his services as a band manager to young up and coming bands. What's this sort of a dirty thing? <laughs> young up and coming starters. What were the other ads around this ad? <laughs> like old man seeks young men for, you know, entertainment and enjoyment. He just yeah. went that step further and had a little sort of, you know, cover for his. But it's also interesting they seem to be going some somewhere uh, open up for the likes of Motorhead. As I said, it's hard to find um, any bands that I did open up for. I, I'm getting the feeling this might have been their claim to fame. You know Maybe, I mean. Are you saying this is the only band that they probably opened up for? Uh, the, I don't know if it's the only band, but it seems to be the biggest one. The biggest one. Probably, probably, what I meant was the only noteworthy big, band. Yeah, noteworthy, noteworthy band. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It was videoed. That'll come up later. It was videoed, and I'd say they just sat at home watching this video. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we made it. We made it. We need a band manager now. <laughs> next level. Well, they, they're taking all the necessary steps. So. Seems to be. Yeah. Carlson seemed to be exactly what they were looking for. He boasted industry contacts and assured them that the band would soon be known all across Europe. And in the end, he was right. But unfortunately, it wasn't for their music. You see, Anders Carlson wasn't exactly who he said he was. He didn't have experience managing bands and most likely never had any industry contacts. His name wasn't even Anders Carlson. <laughs> Carlson was born Carl Nyler in 1942. He claims that as a young child he was beaten by a neighbour after he was discovered to have been playing doctor with the woman's little girl. This he believes to have triggered obsessive thoughts within him of performing ever more horrid acts on people. So yeah, just explain like what that what that expression means if, if people aren't familiar. Well playing doctor is it's kind of an innocent thing that you know, young kids do like yeah, it's just uh, childhood curiosity, you know, the, the, a boy and a girl, and it's like, I'll, I'll show you mine if you show me yours type of thing. It's it's a relatively innocent thing, but it does involve private parts. <laughs> it does involve inspecting one other's bodies. Now, we don't know exactly what age he... he now, these this are is his own opinion, and these are his own words, and we don't know what age either party was at this time. It's hard to decipher why um, this caused so, so much problems for him. He obviously was young enough or old enough to remember this. Yeah. So we don't know what age he was. We don't know what age the little girl was. Clearly the mother was very annoyed at this and beat him. So. Yeah, but I just, I can't see an adult beating up a, a child of the same age as the daughter for doing something like that. But then again, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. It was it was the forties, <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> so things were 
maybe different back then they were more willing to give it a small child a beat down and also we don't know much about the 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 little girl's mother could have been a complete psychopath herself <laughs> <laughs> we don't know we you don't just know. don't know we're just trying to figure out but this is this is basically what he says and the reason he gives for why he had obsessive thoughts about performing more hired acts on people as a young teenager, he fantasizes about finding a dead boy and even killing a boy himself and cutting open the stomach and genitals. At 16, he lured a friend of his to his family's summer cottage and tried to beat him unconscious with a piece of wood with a view to, in his own words, cut up the body. He was arrested by police for this incident and sent to a psychiatric evaluation at Riov Hospital in Young Coping, but was released soon after. It doesn't bode well. So it seems in the 70s he drove a van that transported musicians to gigs. And this is where the music and band management link comes in. By 1973, he's now living in Stockholm and claims one night he picked up an intoxicated man in his van with the intention of murdering him and cutting up his body, but pulled out of it and let him go. He says he blames himself for not going through with it. He really wants to cut somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does want it, but he's not getting very far. And I mean, at this point, like the last time he was 16... So that was about 1958. Yeah. And there's been there's been no incident of report since that and now. And this is the 70s. Yeah. So he's he's in his 30s at he's this point. 31. So he's still so thinking I'm about it. Still thinking about it. And time has gone on a little bit. Like, did he get away with a few things in, be- in between? Or Yeah, well, th- that is something that he could have. But then again, like, these are all recounts from him. So he probably would have talked about them. He seems to be boasting here about, you know, what happened and kind of saying, I could have done it. Yeah. I could have done yeah. that at I that I could have done it any time. They didn't know what was coming. I was ready. I was ready. But then I, then I backed out. But the the, the, there was no, um, he, wasn't, he wasn't pulled up for this one. No, this is just his claim that he was close to doing it one night and nothing ever came of it. Just let the man go. So he said, that, that guy just got a free ride. <laughs> I think there might have been more incidents, but I think he definitely likes to boast about it. He likes to... He looks to claim that he he was dangerous, you know. I I, I could have done it. I could have done that. Now these like that that's a bit of a non-story. You picked up a guy. I wanted to kill that guy. Yeah. Sometimes you know I've been in a car with somebody and wanted to kill them, but you know, and then I let them go, and I thought ah, I could have done it there. Well, it's all, it's, yeah, it's like it's all part. Just, of one just disclaimer that that's that's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> I don't actually well, it's, it's it's like it's all part of one story. It does seem though he's sort of leading up to at some point. He's probably going to do something. Like it's only a matter of time before he... It's only a matter of time. <laughs> Several years go on without event, and by 1981, Carlson is now living in Gothenburg and about to succumb to his sadistic urge once more. Mm. And, this, <laughs> and this time he's not going to back out. In January 1981, he lures a 17-year-old boy to his apartment under the false pretense of a job offer. When the boy turns up, Carlson attempts to anesthetize the victim with ether and drag him into the bathroom. But the boy manages to break free and escape from the apartment and notify the police. Carlson is arrested and later sentenced to prison for the attempted murder. The gaps are closing because this is 1981. It's, what's that, eight years since the last incident? Yeah, that, that he boasted about. That he boasted <laughs> about, yeah. And this is the point where it looks like he, he, he definitely acted on his urge before it was just thinking about it which is really nothing and now he is acting it out which is the main problem and you, th- you would think at this point now that looks like attempted murder no it does definitely like and it also seems like he's not afraid 
anymore. Like, yeah, well, he had eight years to, you know, <laughs> to muster up the courage you know, to do this. But anyway, he's he's arrested now. He's arrested, and y- you would think that this is the type of crime that that's gonna, you know, no, no, send to the psychiatric ward and see, you know, is his brain okay and everything. And clearly, he's a danger. Should be what fifteen years maybe for the for attempted murder. Well, it depends on where you live. I know it depends, it depends on, on where, where you live, live but what, what would you think? Fifteen Scandin- years in something? Scandinavia. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe ten years. Judging on other cases I've heard from there, and that's probably that's probably a bit hefty. I think they're fairly they're lenient enough. Like in Ireland, murder. attempted murder, you're gonna you're gonna get fifteen twenty years. Yeah, well, we don't like that here. We don't like murder. I was going to say attempted murder. No, we like people to go through it in Ireland. You know? Yeah, we don't like attempted murder here. Like, come on. Uh, he's useless. He is. That fella, he is useless. Couldn't even bleed and kill him. But no, he didn't serve 10 years. 15 years? No, he didn't serve. He didn't serve five. He served two years. And he was given conditional release from prison after undergoing psychiatric evaluation and deemed to be healthy <laughs> so this is it once they, it's it's this twisted logic of they they send somebody to the psych ward i mean this happens in other cases psych ward are they insane can they claim insanity no okay so we can put them in prison then that's usually what happens this is like are they insane no oh geez you better let them out of prison then <laughs> oh, God, twisted logic is that that makes no sense but at this point he must be starting to think that he can just do anything and get away with it. Like, attempted murder. Okay, he went to prison for two years. Yeah. That's not really a deterrent. I mean, he waited eight years to do this from the last moment he, he claims that he thought about doing it. So, to him, two years. That's yeah. not... It's just going to give him that feeling that he, he, he knows, I, I can get away with this. Yeah. Not long after he's released, he sexually abuses a 10-year-old boy and is arrested and sent to prison again. But yet again, he's evaluated at the same psych unit and is deemed healthy and released from prison within a year. What the fuck do you have to do to go down in Sweden <laughs> in the fucking 80s, man? Like, what? He's gone for murder this time. Now he's just going to go and abuse a 10-year-old. Okay, like, he was probably thinking about doing this for years and years and was like, no, if I get caught doing that, I'm going to go down. And after the attempted murder thing, he's out in two years, he's like, I'm just going to go do that sexual abuse thing I was thinking about doing. Something completely different. I'm going to try something completely new. That's so fucked up, man. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong with this shit, man. Like, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with the the, the system? Like, I I think at this point, he's mentally unwell. The judicial system seems mentally unwell as well. (laughs) They need to go to the fucking psych unit. Like, one year it's these scandinavian prisons they, they, i mean they can they can make albums in them you know what I mean? <laughs> they're not really a prison if you can like sit there and come out with your fucking ambient shit because you're allowed to have a guitar and a keyboard and shit you, you know who i'm talking about <laughs> yeah he's just released another ambient album not from prison though. not from prison though is he no. well he fought off that fucking uh that case what was that case against him for like racism or something oh did he the one that got him off youtube yeah. No, he's, he's still fluting around on YouTube, popping up in different accounts. It's, about, it's, it's the racism. YouTube doesn't like racism. <laughs> YouTube doesn't like racism. No, because you should go on another site. Like, ones where they're not... The racist site. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, racist tube. They're, they're not so harsh on racists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's already on them, to be honest. But wait, he wasn't done yet. In 1985, now this is just like, this is this is straight after 
Right. He is released after uh, a year yeah. after abusing the child. He robs a bank and is sentenced to, wait for it, psychiatric care. <laughs> like, what? Why, why did he go to prison for this? He's like a fucking renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, you know, all bets are off at this stage. He's like, what else can, what else can I do? I mean, rob a bank. I've always wanted to rob a bank. I'll just go and rob a bank. <laughs> And he didn't get put in prison for it. He must be just testing the system. Ah, he has to be at this point. I mean, how do you not go to prison for robbing a bank? How does that send you to the psych ward? I mean, you robbed a bank. It's not a crazed act. It's It, it takes prior preparation and thought. Like This time, however, he's evaluated at a different psych ward and diagnosed as schizophrenic. But only a few months later, he's judged not to be schizophrenic, but simply have had temporary mental confusion. <laughs> and of course... He was released. I mean, come on. Mental confusion. I think it's them that has the mental confusion. Mental confusion? He robbed the bank. It's absurd. How many chances they're going to give him to keep committing crimes? He was probably running out of ideas of what crimes he could commit at this point. You know? He seems like a very imaginative person. Uh, well, yeah, a fucking dangerously imaginative person. On the 31st of October 1987, he was discharged from Balness Hospital, declared well. Just a few weeks later, he was up and running with his band management business, or maybe just band manager persona would be more appropriate. Yeah. It's like maybe he's been using this band management scam for years, like even going back to the to the 17-year-old boy lured into the apartment and attempt, had attempted to murder him. Yeah. And he was, that was it, like the research shows that it was a job offer that he lured them with. Maybe it was a band thing. Maybe it was gone for a while. By November 1987, Carlson has managed to convince four young Finns known as Shock Tilt that he's going to make their rock star dream come true. He tells them he plans on meeting with Noise Records in Berlin to discuss a deal. Noise Records. Yeah, so like Noise Records would have been a very prominent up-and-coming label then. at that moment. Early signs of theirs would have been in the thrash metal scene. Well, creator. And- creator, yeah, Tankard. Um, also, it's Sabat and Coroner. Uh, Hellhammer, Celtic Frost, you know, there would have been ones to, to get in with. And if somebody's offering you a meeting with them, this would have had those guys really excited. It's no doubt about it. Although, Shock Tilt's music, it's it's not fucking... Yeah, yeah I was going to say that, like, it doesn't seem like it would fit in on that on that particular label. No. Would, but maybe thinking about moving more into traditional... Yeah, well, Shock Tilt doing their Judas Priest <laughs> uh, style... Classic heavy metal. Yeah, you don't know what this guy was saying to them. On November 26, Anders Carlson turns up at the rehearsal studio, which the band rent at Vixgard, Upland's Vaspi in Stockholm. He has with him a video recording of their show opening for Motorhead and tells them he has arranged a meeting at Noise Records in Berlin and that he must leave straight away. He tells the band that Hanu must accompany him as he is the youngest member with the most rock star image. He was the best looking guy. Is the, can we translate that to that? No. Yeah, if I was Nick Tilt, I'd be like, why can't I go? Why'd you have to bring him? He's, he's, he's only a baby. I'm the leader of this band, man. Is his name Tilt? I didn't think so. But look, they look at this guy as like, he's a, he's a big shop manager. He tells them he plans to do a lot of PR on the trip, but all expenses will be covered. Hanu quickly packs a bag, locks his guitar into a locker, and turns to his bandmates as he walks out the door asking, what's this guy's name again? <laughs> They would be the last words his bandmates would ever hear him utter. Holy shit. So it was definitely just like a whirlwind uh, at that time. Like they were like, we have this manager now. He's getting us this meeting with this big label and it's going to happen. 
it's gonna happen and <laughs> it was just like what, what, what happened <laughs> where am i going you know yeah but he, he could also be a little bit naive and yeah he was only 18 and yeah. they were just out to try and you know live that rock star dream and yeah. they were kind of just they, 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 they were probably just they're probably drunk <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking that and i never thought about the fact that yeah they were probably just high all the time just high and drunk and if you know, man boss there what's this guy's name again <laughs> That's why bands had managers back then. <laughs> I was like, too fucked up to get out and done them. I'll speak for you guys from now on. That'll be my job. Four days after the departure, Anders Carlson called the others in the band and announced that Hanu had disappeared. Carlson alleged that he had made a police report in Denmark about the disappearance and the band members contacted the police in Finland about their missing comrade. No notification in Sweden was ever made. It was kind of coming, wasn't yeah. it? And we don't quite know what the situation was at this point. But, like, if you think about it, they left Stockholm. Then they drove down to Berlin, which I don't know. Was that just, the two, just the two of them. Just the two of them. I don't know if that's <laughs> something people do these days, but I suppose back then, you know, needs must. And it's a long drive. Like, that has to be, like, a two-day drive or something. I could be wrong, but it's it's definitely an overnighter. It wouldn't have taken an hour to get there anyway. No, it's no. probably what it takes now on a plane. But um, And at that point, there's no mobile phones. No, there's there's nothing. Nothing. People probably were missing all the time. And yeah. he's thinking, I just got drunk, you know, or he met some girl. Turn around, he was gone. He was just gone. He's a flight what? risk. Several days pass. And on December 6, two hunters searching for a shot deer in Granon, an isolated coastal area, several hours drive north of Stockholm, happened across a collection of objects in plastic bags by the beach. The objects were the remains of an unidentified dismembered corpse. And these would stay unidentified for several weeks after the discovery. So I I think we know in the way it's going. I think we know who's in the bag, <laughs> unfortunately. And this is, yeah, several hours north of Stockholm. So it seems to be that he never even went to, to Denmark. But he had no intentions of going to no. it. If he went, if he went north... No, he had no he intentions of going. He probably told Hanu, uh, I just need to go quickly to my house to collect something. Ah, oh, Hanu I forgot my keys. I have to go to the house. Or I forgot my shotgun. <laughs> you know, oh, dude, I forgot the CDs, bro. <laughs> we got none to listen on the road trip, you know. Hanu probably didn't even know the way to go. Didn't know where he was going north, south, yeah, east, or west. Yeah, fucking clue. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're probably on the back roads. He's like, is this the way to Denmark, bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just shut up now I'm bringing it to Denmark <laughs> Denmark is north bro I always thought it was south you know, dude, It's north okay Seems as he was a bit sloppy If he was a bit sloppy oh, yeah, about he, this sort of stuff He likes being sloppy because he likes getting caught He likes telling people about it Yeah, yeah It's like he, he intended to get caught here He's like I'll only get three years so <laughs> Yeah he's like murder like time to think of what else I can do. You know, what's my next move? <laughs> On December 10th, shock tilt bassist Rolf Hag... Hag... Fuck me. Hagblom. Hagblom. <laughs> I mean, like, that's fucked up. I don't know. Just say, just go with what you can. <laughs> On December 10th, shock tilt bassist Rog... Rog... Rog. 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 On December 10th, shock tilt bassist Rolf Hagblom received a letter from Carlson. It read, Hi, Rolf. I will not come home until I find Hanu. Or at least get some sign of life from him. It's impossible to celebrate Christmas unless this situation gets some kind of resolution. So I will stay here and keep looking. I have become searching for Hanu in Christiania, but with no luck. I get more worried for him every day that passes. Yeah, so these days Christiania is an area in Denmark that's like 
hippie commune area. So still claiming he was in Denmark. We know looking back now, he, he, he wasn't in Denmark at all. But the band were still none the wiser at this point. The dismembered corpse was eventually identified as the remains of Hanu Rahala on January 27th, two months after he had last been seen. Carlson was arrested the following day, given there was a clear link between him and Hanu. He pleads his innocence when questioned by the police, but changes the story several times. Eventually, it's a series of service station receipts showing his movements during the time in question are what it takes to get him charged and put on trial for the murder. So these service stations, I don't know where they are, but we can assume they were not on the way to Denmark. Not on the way to Denmark. No, and most likely on the way to to Grannon, where the, the body was discovered. And uh, that was enough to pinpoint him and get him put on and get him charged and put on trial. Obviously, no, not a lot of cameras and things like that around those places, I'd say, at that time. No, definitely not. No, CCTV, it's receipts, and they're probably like fucking written down. And he probably had them <laughs> like in his pocket when he's arrested. He's a fucking idiot. He's like, you want to check my pocket? We're like, no. It's like, check, check the pocket. I want to get caught. During the trial, it is heard that Hanu had been anesthetized with ether, then beaten, raped, and strangled to death. Carlson had then dismembered the body and placed the pieces in plastic bags to dispose of. Worst of all, the penis had been severed and the testicles removed, none of which was ever discovered. Speculation abounds in the press that Carlson had eaten the missing body parts, but no evidence has shown this to be the case. What do you think? I definitely ate them. (laughs) 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 Bit of bread, bit of butter. (laughs) No, no, awful. But maybe, you know, at this point we know that he was like, Trying to come up with what else can I do, you know? <laughs> See how far I can take this. He's like, I'm only going to get like fucking three years for this murder. <laughs> if I eat this, you yeah. know, like, am I going to get more? Am I going to get less? Let's find out. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> there's nothing this man won't do. I know. Yeah. He's, it, it, it took him some time, but he, you know, fuck, he, he went there in the end. He really did. The deputy chief physician at the National Forensic Medical Centre would describe the act as a sexual pleasure murder in which the cutting and violating of the body also aroused the desire of the perpetrator. Wow, that's some psychological shit right there. Where was this guy like earlier on? He wasn't in the psychiatric evaluation centre. This is a new guy. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely a new guy. <laughs> to be honest, do you think Carlson was like, if he heard this, he'd be just a big smile on his face going, yeah, finally somebody gets me. Yeah. It's like nobody else, re- nobody else realised all that time. It also comes to light during the trial that just prior to his arrest, Carlson had sent a letter to a professional musician named Oliver Stephenson, whom he had met at a Danish metal festival a few months previous. Carlson had wrote in the letter that there was an opening for a guitarist in a band he was managing in Sweden. He would also go on to send him a cassette tape of Shock Tilt's music and a contract of employment. He is said to have also called Stephenson several times imploring him to sign the contract and come join the band. Like, this is just fucking ridiculous. Setting it up, like. <laughs> so he was lining up another victim and the lads in Shock Tilt will never know. They were like, whatever happened to Hanu? Like, what? Forget about him. We have a new guy now. Yeah. Imagine if, like, you know, down the line, then this guy goes missing as well. That's just too crazy. Well, it would have happened. <laughs> Clearly, that's what he was planning. Finally, on July 10th, 1988, Anders Carlson is found guilty of the murder of Hanu Rahala. He is sent once again for psychiatric evaluation. Oh, for fuck's sake. Like, prison? (laughs) (laughs) He killed... 20 years? He he killed a guy's fucking grisly murder of a a young man. Like, 
why do you need to psychiatrically evaluate this guy? Like, I can psychiatrically evaluate him, like, right now. You like, don't need to do this. Just put him away. Ugh. That's just absolutely insane. I don't know if it was, you know, his, his uh, defense that he was, you know, temporary insanity. And that's why he did. But like this... If anything, this is fucking like prolonged insanity. Like he might, there might have been bribery and things like that involved in all of this. He could have had connections. Yeah. Somebody in the psych ward. A judge. Yeah. It could go deep. <laughs> it goes even further than the judge. <laughs> Maybe there's serious corruption going on here. This time, however, Carlson is declared insane and is sentenced to life in closed psychiatric care. He appeals this, but the appeals court upholds the sentencing. So, like, at least he's gone away. Well, he's at gone. Least- he's gone now. He has got now. He's declared insane. Finally, you know the psychiatric evaluation that they they need about ten to really find out if he is actually insane or not. And they've done it. They they said he's no longer healthy, even though he did all these horrible crimes. They didn't do time for. Didn't do enough time for them. Yeah. And now they've put him into closed psychiatric care. So it's better than nothing for a guy who's clearly very dangerous. Well, if if you are or if you plead insanity, you can't be put in prison. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying earlier. It depends on the law. Temporary insanity. You can be evaluated and you can be let go. But if you're yeah, you can get insane, you're going to go, be, you're gonna be in... You'd go to Madhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for your shot? During his time in psychiatric care, he escapes twice. One on occasion getting as far as Germany before being apprehended by German police. And on another occasion, he's said to have made contact with young metal musicians. It wasn't very close, this psychiatric care. No. Now, I know Ted Bundy did it and all, but like... Ah, but he jumped out the window. Yeah, well, literally this... This fella jumped. probably just walked out the front door. <laughs> he's probably like, here, listen, I'm going to go see a gig, right? There's a van playing down the road and I want to go murder one. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> They should have had had him in that, like, you know, Hannibal Lecter gear in the stretcher, you know, pulled up his face mask. Love the suit. (laughs) Toughens your nipples. (laughs) He was caught both times and did go on to spend the rest of his life in psychiatric care in Sweden until his death in 2007. That's pretty much the story of Anders Carlsen. Shock Tilt themselves went on to release a double side in 1989. The two tracks were called Heaven Calling and We Are Crazy. And they're more more in the vein of the kind of glam metal acts popular uh, towards the late 80s and early 90s. Right, yeah. Uh, like Winger. Rat. If they sound like Winger, I'll check it out. But if they sound like Warrant, I'm not checking it out. <laughs> they don't sound like Winger. But you know where we're going. <laughs> yeah, We Are Crazy sounds really like something uh, Loudness would have done. Japanese band Loudness. Okay, we'll definitely look at that one then. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not as good as Loudness. Well, well. Not much happened to them after they released this. Um, they did a couple of tracks on a Swedish compilation in 92. They contributed to a Swedish Aussie tribute. This is not the Finnish band Aussie we talked about at the very start of this. It's not that band. It's nothing to do with that band. We don't know anything about that band. But yeah, a funny one is they took part in a documentary that was created by a, a local Finnish director and about a young Finnish guy He's only, I think he's 16. I don't really know what the point of this documentary is. The, the, the kid wants to be a rock star. So is this is this like in the 80s? or No, this is like 10 years ago or something. 10 years ago? Yeah, like this is recent enough. And I, I, I don't know, but you can watch it on YouTube. Just look Shock Tilt documentary. 
Okay. Uh, but it's really funny. Like, there's, there's, I don't really know the point to it. The kid goes to a concert, and the concert features the 70s proto metal band Mountain. Okay. They're kind of old now, <laughs> you know what I mean? The lead, lead guy them, Leslie West, Leslie West Mountain. The kid interviews him about becoming a rock star, and it's just really awkward and weird. That guy who was in Accept, uh, David L. Reese, okay. he's talking to him, and he's talking to him as if he's like, you know, Axl Rose. It's very, very odd and strange. But Shock Tilt are also in it. But at the end of the documentary, the kid records uh, that track, We Are Crazy, with Shock Tilt. And they record a video, like a full music video with them. And the kid is like singing and he's doing flips and kicks. And like, you know, he's all wet and like shaking the water everywhere and sticking this, his tongue out. It's, it doesn't sound right, but it doesn't sound right, but it sounds great. It's absolutely just brilliant. And it's a great little end to this absolutely horrible story to just, just lighten it up right at the end. Well, I assume that there's nothing to do with Hanu in this at all. There is absolutely nothing to okay. do with Hanu. It's just, it's just, it's just good rock and roll memories for it, the guys. This who I feel very sounds, sorry for. Sounds, yeah, feels very sorry for. But what an ending! I can't wait to see this. Got to check it out. Look, we, we'll put a link up to it. Let's check it's on it out. YouTube, is it? It's on YouTube. Yeah, that sounds great. So that's it for episode one. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can check out all our weekly podcast episodes at metaldissection.com. Follow us on social on Facebook and Instagram at Metal Dissection. And subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Metal Dissection, where we upload covers and videos every week. So from me here on, for now, all the best. <laughs>